Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Fantastic. I have no voice now after worship this morning. That was amazing, wasn't it? Let's just say thanks one more time. And while you're clapping, let's welcome our Sherwood campus, online campus. And apparently today we have filled up the atrium too. We had to bring chairs out. So I don't know what's going on around this place. Uh, If you've been here any length of time or at least the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series uh, called To the Church. And we've been looking at the seven messages in the book of Revelation, chapter two and three. And today we're gonna end up with the the church of Laodicea. And it's a a church probably uh, the most common, lots of people have heard of it. But when I was sitting there reading that and just over the last week reading, I couldn't help but think about a dilemma. It's almost an epidemic that's happening in the world we live in. And it's it's the epidemic of of complacency. It's the epidemic of it's just normal, or maybe we're we're okay, just be in the middle of the road. We're not gonna be fanatics about something. We're just gonna kind of be right there. So I started doing some research on that one little phrase, middle of the road, and you'll never guess what came up. I thought it would be armadillos. So if you've been around Journey any length of time or last three or four weeks, you know that I have an issue with armadillos right now. So I have an infestation of armadillos at my house. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, if you weren't here, you actually probably heard a pretty funny story about me walking outside with my bow and arrow trying to attack armadillos that were attacking my house. Well, I thought maybe because the neighbor had, had captured some, I think he said he had captured seven or eight armadillos and he had taken them. I think he took them and put them back in my yard. But he said that he had gotten them and he had moved them off. And so um, middle of the night, 1.30 this morning, I, I'm, my dog jumps out of bed. I hear the dog jump out of bed. I was trying to be a good husband, right? I, like I, I failed when I was, when, when we had kids, I failed. How many, how many guys, just admit it now. If you have small kids, don't admit it. But like, we just kind of acted like we were asleep. Oh, I can't do that now because like I treasure and honor my wife. So the, the dog jumps out, I go outside and there he was, the armadillo. So I, I didn't have a gun, I didn't have my bow. It would have taken way too long. I could have sent him over to your house, Jeremy, but he didn't want to go to your house. And so, but we're sitting there and um, I'm sitting there and the dog, and the dog does one of these like. I'm like, you're worthless. Like, you won't even attack a stupid armadillo. So I, I, I ended up trying to go get a stick, and by that point, it was just, it, it ran away, and everybody in that, you know, everybody that's like, whatever, like, thank you, you didn't kill him. I'm like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> He's going to be mine when it's all said and done. But I started, just in this course of this week, this middle, I, I didn't know this, maybe you guys knew this, there's 50 million armadillos in the United States. I don't know how they count them, okay? And, 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 and a half a million armadillos get hit by cars every day, every day. So like, we're just, dupe, we're just there's just mating machines, right? I actually had a young man come up to me two weeks ago and he said, Pastor Bobby, I got a question for you. It's like, yeah. He goes, why'd the chicken cross the road? And I was like, why? And he goes, so he could prove that the armadillo could be done. And I thought to myself, that's brilliant. In the middle. Now you would think that after the first half a million got killed, they would have told their buddies, don't go out in the middle of the road but they cross the road, they cross the road. And here's, here, here's my thought. Isn't that where some of us live our lives? Kind of right in the middle. Like we're, 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 not, we're not over here, we're not, we're not fanatics, you know, we're okay with just kind of normal, we're okay with just going through our lives. And when, you know, and it happens in all aspects of our lives. Like I don't know how many like businesses, like I'm not gonna tell you the name of the business, but I had a little problem with the business this past week. The name rhymes with American Airlines. 
And so, <laughs> so it rhymes with American Airlines. And so last year we were supposed to go to Aruba, right? And the trip got canceled because Aruba wasn't letting people in because of COVID. And so we, we literally called them up and said, listen, can you do us a favor? We know they're non-refundable. And the guy was so nice. He was like, yeah, we're just going to tack that on. And you have now till December of next year to go anywhere you want. So the other night we're going, well, let's go, let's go somewhere like in the spring. Let's go to some, you know, island like Turks and Caicos or something. So I'm trying to do the thing. And this is what I, this is what I get told. We, 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 we're sorry, we can't help you. That's another department. I'm thinking that's inappropriate. Like, customer no service should be helping me right now, right? And so I'm sitting there going like, but there's lots of companies that are just kind of right in the middle. And they're okay with not having service. They're never going to be a Fortune 500. They're just, kind of, they're just kind of go through life and they'll be okay. How about this? How about in some of our marriages? Like, in some of our marriages, like, some of us are praying like, you know, like, like just as long as we don't end up in front of a lawyer we're, or a judge, we're okay. You know, it's just one of those deals where like, we kind of just right in the middle. How about sports teams? We see it in sports teams all the time, don't we, right? If you watch any type of sports, like, like, like schools like Auburn. I didn't mean Auburn. I meant somebody else. I meant Florida. Um, but you, they're, just okay with, they're just okay with being second or third or fourth or fifth. They, they're, there's like, they're, they're, and their fan base is okay with that. And here's the scary thing. You want to know the scary thing? The scary thing is this. There's churches like that too. There's churches that are okay just being kind of in the middle. They're, they're, they're okay. Like, like their, their debt's paid for. The tithes are kind of balancing out the, what they have to pay in salaries. Attendance isn't bad. You know, maybe once in a while we get a new person to come to church and, you know, maybe they'll sit in a chair that's not ours or whatever, you know, whatever it looks like. And, and we're just okay with that. And honestly, when we start looking at the church that we're going to look at today, Laodicea, that's the first thing that comes in my mind is the church was okay just kind of being in the middle. They were okay. They weren't hot. The Bible says they weren't hot. They weren't cold. They were just kind of right there. They, be, they became armadillos. And so in our lives, how many times has that happened to us? Now, Laodicea, now I want you to understand, was an expansive, wealthy city adjacent to hot springs and built on a major highway. And I was trying to think about this past week. What would we equate? Because there's nothing in the United States. Uh, 2015, we were gracious, graciously gifted a trip over to Europe, and we ended up spending a day in uh, Nice, France. I don't know if, you've got, if you know much about Nice, France. It's a pretty cool place, but it's the epicenter for a lot of fashion stuff, and they do a lot of film viewing, and there's like all these big arts festivals and everything. But you ride down the middle. It's one road down the middle of the city that's kind of like on each side. There's the biggest, the big, I mean, bigger than New York City, Times Square, the biggest signs you ever see. So, so Laodicea was kind of like the Nice, where you go right on through, and there's all this stuff going on. So it's an expansive, huge city. Its location made it a commercial epicenter. And honestly, it was the banking center of that region, specializing in medicine and, 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 and what was called black wool trade. Let me explain what black wool trade is. One out of every hundred sheep comes out with a pigment that turns it gray or black. It's a coarser hair. And it was very, very, very sought after in that period of time. As a matter of fact, because of the coarseness, it made the, the heaviest blankets and the, and the, and, and, and the, the best-looking clothing. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was so coarse, it was so thick, that it was actually used in, in kind of like a full uh, felt jacket for the cold nights. It was actually called a Laodicean jacket. So we see that it was a, a, play, a place of great trade. John tells uh, the, 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 the church of Laodicea that they're neither hot nor they're cold. 
and, and, and they don't understand what real wealth. So they have these great things, and we're going to see in a minute. They also were a medical community. They had these great things, but they were missing out on the most important. And Laodicea boasted great resources. Now, this is interesting, and I'm going to explain this, but the internal uh, water supply was poor. As a matter of fact, years after they renovated the city, they came back and they found out that the pipes were lined with lime. And so what they had to do, they would literally import water, hot water from the springs, hot springs, and they would bring it into the city. Now, here's an interesting thing. By the time it got from the hot springs to the city, it was lukewarm. And so that's why John was speaking to them in a way that they would understand. So Laodicea had this pipe, this water supply, came from one side to the other, lukewarm by the time of the arrival. The Lord directs some of the harshest words that we ever see recorded in the, in, in the history of the Bible to this church. And think about this. Is this. This is the thing that's being written to them in Revelation, Revelation chapter 3. It says this, And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works, and you're neither hot nor cold, with that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Can you believe that? Can you believe that God was saying, listen, like, like lukewarm, like I'd rather have you ice cold. And, and, and one of the reasons I think he's saying that is the complacent heart is the hardest heart to change. When we get in a, a, a mode of complacency, it's the hardest to pivot. It's the hardest to get in the right track. We talk about it all the time. It's that one degree off, one degree off. And before you know it, we're so far away from God. It's because our hearts become complacent. And the struggle of complacency, we, we think a lot of times it's just a today thing or it's just a, a COVID thing. When churches are on the decline, I shared this last week, churches on the decline, one denomination is boasting that they're going to, I don't know if it's boasting, but are, are reporting that 63% of their church has already left in the last two years. And we're getting complacent more and more and more. And my thought was, what does complacency even look like? What, what does it look like in the world we live in? Well, one of the first things I think that's a characteristic of complacency is no passion. There's absolutely no passion in it. Um, anybody um, this morning before you got to, came to church, did you stop and get coffee? How many people went, stopped and got coffee? Rooted, Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's, um, Starbucks. Raise your hands real high. Raise your hands real high. Why? We got it for free right here. Just... Thanks for saving me money, but <laughs> but you know what? So I, I went to I went to um, I went to Starbucks the other day. I'm not a big Starbucks fan, and, and it's not because the, the coffee's not good. It's because I can't afford seven hundred dollars for a cup of coffee. <laughs> so like I can do that once every four years in my budget. So but I, I went and, and so I, I really don't know what to get. My, my usually one of my daughters, one, one that works here, she usually if they go, she'll bring me back a coffee, and it's it's some kind of squirty two times, three times with. I mean I don't even know what they put in it. So I was sitting there, I was lost. And have you looked at the menu? The menu is like, oh my goodness, like I'm freaking out. So I look at it and I hear the lady in front of me go, I'd like a caramel macchiata, double shot of whatever, and blah, 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 blah. And she sounded like she knew what she was doing. So when I get to the line, I say, I want one of those. Well, you know what I noticed? They have signs, hot coffee, right? If you go to McDonald's, hot coffee. Or they have now, it's life-changing, cold brew. Where was that when I was a kid? Do you know how wired for sound I'd be right now? Like, so, they, so I have a and on ice, and it's squirty, and it's cough. I'm like, yay, three of those, please. You never see a sign that says our specialty is lukewarm coffee. Yesterday, I was at Hardee's. Um, don't judge me. I saw some of your looks. 
It was five o'clock in the morning. We were all on our way to a hunting club. I was like, man, I could go for whatever Hardy sells. <laughs> so we stopped and I, I get a Diet Coke because you can get as many cheeseburgers and whatever you want as long as you get a Diet Coke and it makes everything good, doesn't it? <laughs> Come on now, right? So I get a Diet Coke. Well, I, I, I put it in the thing and I can kind of tell, you ever, you push it in and you can kind of tell it's not like, it doesn't have that shh. It's more like I have had a lot of Cokes today, just letting you know. <laughs> so I took a sip of it. When I took a sip of it, it was flat. And you know what I did with it? I spit it out of my mouth. Because we don't like and not designed for lukewarm things. And so when he says, as a matter of fact, if you look at the original translation, the word spit isn't the word spit. We use that in churches because we don't want to say the real word. The real word is throw up. I want to vomit you. That's what he says. I want to vomit you. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth because it's so disgusting to me. And, and that's what happens. There's this, this no passion. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And he's talking about the, an attitude that, 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 that's just a little bit bored. You ever be around them? They're just a little bit bored. They're just a little blase. They're, they're, not, they're not real hot. They're not real, they're not real cold. There's no fire. There's no, there's no enthusiasm. There's no excitement for anything. They're just kind of, meh, meh. And unfortunately, people filling churches up that are just like that. And so this isn't a 2,000 year ago thing. I think it's a right now thing. We've become, as church people, just kind of meh. So there's no passion. The second thing is this. I believe a sign or a characteristic of complacency is no hunger, no ambition, no vision, no drive. Verse seven says, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered and I need nothing not realizing that you're a wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Did you catch that? I have prospered and I need nothing. That's saying, and it's different than this. There's a moment in our lives, and I want everybody to say, I understand that I, I, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Somebody say that. Amen. Amen, right? He's the best thing. And I don't need anything more than that. But what he's saying here isn't that statement. It's not a statement like, I just, Jesus and nothing else. He's saying that, I don't even need Jesus. All I need is the other stuff. All I need is the gold. All I need is the wool. All I need is to solve for my eyes. And I don't need for anything else because I think there's a healthy moment in a believer's life that, that we say this, I have God in my life, but I need a little bit more of God in my life. Anybody else? Like I, I can never, or, 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 or you know, I, I, I need a little bit, like I'm working for the kingdom, but I, 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 I gotta do it a little bit more, a little bit more. I have two guys that I hang out with quite a bit. They're elders in our church. And a couple weeks ago, I said to, in our elders meeting, I was like, I'm just a little tired. Like just COVID's kind of, kind of kicked you in the, sh you know, anybody else feel that way? You just kind of kicked you in the shins. And like, I'm, I'm a little, like, I, I'm not sure I'm somewhere here between here. And I used to be a revolutionary and now I'm kind of living in reality and all this stuff. And one of my, one of my buddies walks up to me after two weeks ago and we talked about the church. Remember we talked about um, the, 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 the church that's a successful, alive church. He said, stop that crap. He said, it's still in you. It's still in you. And what I realized is there's times in our lives where we, 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 we have no hunger. We have no passion. But if that's the way we always are, there's a problem, isn't it? So we have to make sure that that's not the case. And he's not talking about it, uh, uh, the, the proper attitude of contentment here. The sin of complacency tells us, and this is scary, you're fine just the way you are. Now, we said this a couple weeks ago, God loves you just the way you are. If you're a guest here at Journey, can you hear me on this? Everybody that's a, a partner here at Journey, faith, this is your thing, amen, right? 
God loves you just the way you are, right? Amen. Amen. And I say this all the time. You'll never look in the eyes of somebody that God does not love. That's right. Never, never, never. And I don't care how far they are. You'll never look in the eyes. But God loves us too much to keep us right there. And he's com- constantly poking and prodding and making sure that we're moving forward. The sin of complacency says, though, you're fine just the way you are. Here's the third thing, another characteristic. I'm sure there's countless others, but here's the third one. There's no self-awareness. That's a big word in our, our world, by the way, no self-awareness, because I don't think we live in a world that anybody or barely anybody has self-awareness of what they're really. We're always looking at somebody else and judging somebody else. This is what it says, verse 17. For you say I'm rich, I have prospered and need nothing. Watch, not realizing, not realizing, you didn't identify this. You don't see this in your own life. Not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. See, I want you to write this down. This is really good. Lukewarm people stumble their way through life, smug and self-satisfied at the same time, clueless about what's really going on in their own life. So they're always looking at what somebody else is doing. They're always examining somebody else's life. My dad used to say this all the time. Maybe your dad said, he would say, every time you point your finger, how many, there's three more pointing back at you. There's always, there's always, like, we're always pointing, like, Joe did this, or, you know, Linda did that. Not Linda, the way the word says Linda right now, but Linda... But it's one of those deals where we have lost it because of a complacency that we, we just kind of, and, and, and the people that I've known that have been the most critical are the least self-aware. They're the most complacent people that I've ever been around. I see this attitude, unfortunately, in churches all the time. They become smug and self-satisfied and they begin on picking, they begin on picking, anytime a church does anything worthwhile, anytime a church in the community does anything worthwhile, they automatically find something wrong with that church instead of going, you know something? That's absolutely amazing that that church is doing. Let me, in, let, let me let you know a secret. This is really, really important. Church growth is not a contest. Right. It's not about this church being bigger than that church. What it's about is telling the world the dangerous message of Jesus Christ and how he can change their lives. That's it, period. It's not about how big your church is or how big my church is or what style of music you use or how many songs you sing or any of that stuff. It's about is Jesus' name being lifted up higher than anything else going on in that church. That's the sign of a healthy church. I'm, I'm gonna say something that's gonna sound arrogant. I know a lot about this one because over the last 18 years, we have tried to do church differently. Right? We've tried to do church. And I can't tell you the amount of critical people that have come out of the woodworks and go, he wears jeans or he uses this version of the Bible. You want to know something? Today is my vindication. That's right. Today we'll be baptizing between both, both of these campuses, almost 20 people. Amen. That's the answer. Life change matters. <laughs> self-awareness, self-awareness. Okay, so that's, 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 that's the, the kind of the, 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 what it looks like. Now, how do we overcome it, right? Because you don't want to know, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm complacent. Now what do I do, right? We want to know how to come, right? Everybody, just me? Okay, so here's the first thing. We need to reconsider the things that matter most in our lives. If we're going to move forward and break out of complacency, we need to reconsider the things that matter most in our life. Verse 17, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you have wretched, pitiful, uh, pitiful poor, blind, or, and naked, I counsel you, watch this, to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich with white garments so that you may clothe yourself in the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and solve to anoint your oil out your eyes so that you may see. Now, I don't know if you caught, there's three things he said, gold, right? Gold, white linen or wool. And then he says, solve. 
Now, I'm, I'm looking, I'm kind of doing the research on this and trying to figure out what, what. Well, gold was, was the economic, that was the, the package that they carried. So everywhere they, they, pay, they pay with gold, they, they pay with wool, they pay with the sop. And so what he's saying in this is like, don't, don't, don't put all your lock, stock, and barrel. Don't put all your, all your, all, everything into that, that gold because I'm going to offer you something better than any gold that you could ever have. How about this? Then he goes, white linens. And I love this. He says, I want to give you something pure. I'm going to give you a robe of righteousness that when you stand in front of the Father, all he's, going to, he's not going to see all the stains and all the, you're going to stand before the holy God, white, pure. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the brand new creation, the old is gone and the new has come. So what you are right now, you don't have to be tomorrow. Because he, he's, he, and he's telling the church of Laodicea, see, listen, you don't have to be. And then the solve. I mean, that's, in, in that time period, they would take this, this chemical, this powder they had, and they would mix it with olive oil, and they would, they, would, they would mix it up, and they would put it, and it was a healing agent for the eyes. And he's saying, listen, I have a healing agent that's not just going to heal your eyes, it's going to heal your soul. And that's the most important thing. I can go through our whole life blind, but if this thing's a mess, everything in my life is going to be a mess. Right. And he's saying, I'm going to give you something better than all of that. He says, you need to reconsider what really matters. Next thing he says, recommit your life to Jesus. Now, I didn't wake up this morning wanting to be a jerk. Somebody say amen to that. So if you get frustrated at me right now, you're getting frustrated at God's word, not me. Somebody say amen to that. I didn't think there would be many. Like, yeah. Watch this. Those whom I love, verse 19, what do I do? I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. I have a friend of mine that owns a business in town. It's a, it's a pretty large business. And because of his business model, he uses a lot of temp services. So he has a lot of people that just work part-time for him, and they come and go. Now, he also has a large group of people that work full-time for him. So a couple of weeks ago, I was just asking him a question. I'm always wanting to be a learner. So I'm always asking people that are successful, that are doing a little bit bigger than, a little bit better than me. Like, how do you, how are you doing? So I said, so how do you, how do you jockey this between, you know, temp service? Cause we have contract laborers here and then, you know, part-time and full-time. And he says, Bobby, I'm going to tell you the truth. He says, if a temp person walks in and they mess up, I literally fire them. Like I give them their severance package because I don't have time for training. I don't have time for that. I need them to, to come in and get a task done. He said, but on the other hand, I have people that are full-time employees that make lots of mistakes. We have lots of conversations. We butt heads. We get mad at each other. We yell and scream. He goes, Bobby, sometimes we even cuss at each other. And he said, but you know, at the end of the day, they know that they won't get fired because if they're, as long as they're getting better. And you know what I think a danger thing in the, in the church is? I think a danger thing is we think sometimes as people of God that we are a temp service or we are a temporary, that he just will give us a severance package. Every time we sin, here's your severance package. You're done. I'm done with you. You're fired. And that's not the case. It's the other way around. And that's what he's saying. A question I asked a couple weeks ago. If you have children, how many people have children? How many people let their children run around and stick their fingers in light sockets all the time? Now, I know some of them that have. I've seen them. But it's one of those deals. Why do you do that? Do you do that, do you do that because you, like, I don't really, no, you do it because you love them. Because you, you, you don't want them to make the same mistakes that some of us made. I, I don't know how I'm standing either would have got killed from something or my, my dad would have killed me. Because I did some of the, stu I was the stupidest teenager that ever walked the planet. I got caught doing everything. Anybody else in the room? We're starting a small group tomorrow night for us. Man. But my dad would correct or my mom would correct. 
And I realized, and you know the old saying, it, 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 you don't believe it at first, right? If you're, if you're a kid, your mom and dad, this hurts me. How many people heard that? How many people still say it? Dumb statement, by the way. But it's one of those deals where it, it does. I, I remember one time I had to discipline my kids. Um, they were in like middle school. No, um, they were in elementary school and they would come home with red light, green light, red light, yellow light, green light. And I gave them the warning because my oldest talked a horn off a billy goat. I mean, like she could sell, she'd sell ice to an Eskimo. Like she, the other two would just follow. So they, they all came home one day with red lights. And I have to be dad now. And I don't really care where you stand on discipline. But that day, we had a paddle with holes in it because it was aerodynamic. <laughs> and it was one swat of the paddle on all three of their butts. And I walked upstairs and cried my eyes out. Amen. God uncovers sin in our lives and rebukes us, the scripture says, because he loves us. He says this, I'm going to call out sin. I'm going to discipline you. And then the third part of that scripture is, I want you to repent. I want you to be zealous and repent. I want you to turn away from everything that the Bible calls sin, and I want you to run toward me, which means, third thing, reconnect. We need to reconnect with Jesus. And some of us in our lives, we've been complacent, whatever the reason, COVID, just laziness, out of habit, whatever it is, we have, we have disconnected. And maybe today's a good day. Maybe today's a good day. Just, you know something? I'm going to reconnect. And I love the way verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And I get this visual in my life sometimes, and maybe you guys get it too. I feel like God is standing there sometimes knocking on the door. I'm like, hey, just stay behind. Just stay over there. I, I, I really don't, I don't need you right now. I'm just like, I, when I need you, I'll call you. Like when it's really bad, I'll call you. But he says, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. And I, I've done this all my life. I'm 56 years old. I feel like I've done this all my life. I have tried my best to keep God on the other side of the door. And God said, I just want you to open the door and your life will be amazing. You'll have life, the Bible says, and life to the fullest, John 10, 10. But I stand at the door and knock. I, I've noticed this. There's so many times in my life, there's so many issues in my life, there's so many times I need the Father and, he, and I know He's standing there knocking and I just tell Him to wait. There's a recent time in my life, it's just, just recently. I've had some things, some habits in my life that I haven't been real proud of. Don't judge me, you have them too, right? We all have them. I started getting short with people, my patience level, right? Like, I have, like, no patience for stupid people. Like, I, I, listen, I feel like I could fix broken. I can't fix stupid. Somebody say amen to that. Hey, welcome to Journey. If this is your first time, this is the way it is all. It's like this all the time, right? I mean, we, we've had less squirrel moments today than we've ever had. We're a good Sunday. But you know, and I realized that I have one of those ice machines and a, a water machine on the refrigerator. And I was sitting there, and this is just how God speaks to me. I, I was, I was asking, I was praying. I was literally praying, God, how can I get these things out of my life? 
And I was like, okay, maybe I need to go to CR. Maybe, maybe CR is a great opportunity. Maybe I need to go through a freedom group. Maybe I, maybe I need to get prayed over. I, you know, I don't know. And it's not moral. It's, it, it's nothing like, you know, like I'm, I don't have to leave my position or anything like that. Just some things. So, some of you are looking at me like, what is he doing? It's nothing like that. I promise you. <laughs> Just attitude, right? Like we all have an attitude every once in a while. And I was filling, I was filling my cup up and it dawned on me. That's how right there. That's how. If I fill my, my cup up with the right stuff, all the other stuff escapes. <laughs> if I'm struggling with sin or addiction or a bad attitude or whatever it is, I'm just going to fill it up with the Jesus stuff and it's got to leave. Well, by the way, that's in scripture. Where light is, there can be no darkness. It's a spiritual principle. And so... Today, we come to this place and maybe some of us are a little bit on the, on the lines of complacent. We're, we've become Laodicea. We've become that church. And God says, okay, well then fill your life up with me and watch the other stuff. It has to leave. It has to leave. And so today, maybe you're struggling. Maybe, maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a bitterness. Maybe it's a resentment. Maybe it's just laziness. Fill it up with Christ and watch what happens. I want to do something real quick. I just want to pray for I want to pray for us as individuals, but I want, to, I want us to be prayed over as a church, a faith community. Today's an exciting day. We're going to be baptizing, I think, eight in this location, five or six in the other location. We already did two. We got a couple more later. But, but, but this is just the next step. And in this room right now, watching online, maybe in our atrium, there's people that need to take a next step. And their next step is going, okay, God, I've got some stuff in the cup that I don't like. Today's the day I'm going to fill you up. I'm going to fill this thing up with you. I'm, I'm going to fill the cup up with you. I'm going to figure out what that looks like. And honestly, it's just asking Jesus to fill the cup. We sang the song. He's living water. When you have, when you have a thirst, Jesus can quench that thirst like nothing else. And when we, when we fill it up with, with him, when we fill it up, with him and, and, and everything about him. We don't long for the other stuff. I had a friend of mine say a couple months ago, he said, Bobby, sometimes I feel like religion's a bunch of do's and don'ts. And I said, yeah, 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 I get it. And, then, and lots of churches talk about, like, you do this, don't do that. But you know what I'm finding out? If I'm doing the do's, I don't want to do the don'ts. You hear me? If I'm doing the things that God wants me to do, I don't long for these things anymore. Give me a favor, just bow your heads for a second. Heavenly Father, in this moment, and I realize with several hundred people here, there's all kinds of things going on right now. And some people are here maybe for the very first time have never heard the dangerous message of Jesus. They, they don't know anything about filling the cup up, but they know that they're lacking something. They're missing something. They have become complacent. And the one thing they do, the next step they need to take is just ask you to take your rightful place as number one. And some in this room, You've been brought up, you've been around this, but complacency drove you away. And when you start saying things like hot or cold, you know exactly what I'm talking about because that's how you feel. And you maybe even have been convicted in the past of that, just never given an opportunity. But today I want, I want you to have an opportunity. And I wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would come in us in a way he's never come in us. Everybody's eyes are shut. Everybody's heads are bowed right now. 
If you came to this place and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you've been living a life of complacency, far from Christ, far from God, the things that God wants you to do, whether you've known him before or this is the first time you've ever heard of Jesus. You don't know all the ins and outs. You don't know the scripture reference. You don't know any of that stuff, but you know there's something inside of you that's missing, that's lacking, and you want to figure out what that is. I want you to do me a favor right now at this point. I just want you to look up at me. Amen. 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 There's people all around this place. Tears wipe from their eyes because there's been a complacency. God's about to loosen something in you that you can't even imagine. God's about to do something in you and some of us today like he's never done before. He wants you to fill that cup up with all the things of him. He wants you to understand that the the old is gone, the new has come. And I believe there's a new tomorrow. Just because you walked in this place one way doesn't mean that you walk out the same way. That God is doing something in you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, it is nothing, it is not my doing, it is not my words, it's your word that brings life. Your word says, for unless a man be born again, he can't inherit the kingdom of God. Unless he gets past his complacency and asks you to take the rightful places, number one, we'll stay right where we are. And God, so across this room, watching online in our atrium right now, down at Sherwood, My prayer is there's conversations between us and the holy God right now. And God, we're asking for us to, for you to set a fire in us. Do it, do something in us that we've never seen. That I have not seen nor ear heard or entered the hearts of men, God, what you have in store for us when we fill up our lives with you. I I pray for every person. I pray for this church. God, I pray that you would give us a fire for our community to tell the dangerous message to make your name famous above every other name. And we pray this all in Jesus' holy name and everyone in this place said, Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.